So I've been thinking a lot about death and resurrection recently. It occurred to me that before resurrection, something has to die before it can live. Has that ever occurred to you? That, that in order for something to live again, it first has had to die. I began looking at, at this whole time that we've spent in the book of Romans and, and, and what we've been together in. And I, and I really think that, uh, that what God has been doing in this series is he's been, he's been killing us so that he can resurrect us. And I'm sure that at times when you have left this building, you have felt like slain, right? Like, uh, like, like God has just stuck the sword right through your heart. And, and maybe you've left kind of like, ugh. Like, well, that, that was great. I mean, because remember, if we, if we go all the way back in this series that we've done, uh, we found ourselves together in sin, I mean, throughout, uh, we have just again and again been reminded that we're together in this sin. Chapters 1, chapter 2, we're, we're together in sin. Chapters 3 and 4, uh, it, it, begins to, it begins a little bit of an uptick, right? We're, we're on the roller coaster looking up like, hey, this is looking good. Uh, things are getting better. And in chapters 3 and 4, we're together in faith. And chapter 5, we're, we're together in this choice that we have to make. Uh, we have two representatives. Which one's it going to be? Is it going to be Adam or is it going to be Christ? Is it going to be sin or is it going to be righteousness? In chapter 6, we, uh, we gather together and we're like, hey, we, we together have to live out our baptism and live out the grace that God has bestowed upon us. Uh, last week, we, we came together and we said we have to be together and recognizing that, that, that trying to do it on our own, trying to live a righteous life on our own, apart from the Spirit of God, uh, just continuing to try and keep the law good enough so that we can get to heaven is a losing proposition. If you try and be the CEO of the law, uh, you're going to be a loser. And so I just kept going, going through in my mind, man, I tell you what, every time it, it feels, it feels like when I leave emotionally, like, like, like Paul is trying to kill me with something. Have you, have you had a little bit of that? You're like, you kill me every week, Mr. Gayhill. <laughs> but death, death has to come before resurrection. We have to die to something before we can live to something else. And I'm here to tell you this morning that the chapter 8, man, we have been climbing, and, and there's like this culmination. Like if, if we are on the roller coaster and we're at the, uh, at the peak, uh, we're going to look down and throw up our hands because we're going to be free today. And, and I, wanna, I want you to, to just throw up your hands this morning. I want you to feel a, just a sense of when you leave here, uh, God has done something spectacular and freeing for you. Have you ever been rejected before? How many of you just love rejection? Like, man, I just can't wait. I remember uh, it was in high school, and uh, there was this gal that lived not too far from me, and I lived way out of town, and she lived kind of where I lived. And, uh, you know, I'd gone to church, and so I thought, you know, I, hey, I, I want to marry someone someday, and the whole, uh, you know, the purpose of dating. And, and so I thought, well, hey, I, I'm, I should, you know, date only Christian girls, which I think is a good thing. Uh, so students, if you are dating, you know, date those who are Christians. And she happened to be, and I was like, hey, this is good. 
This is good. Uh, first, you know, check mark number one, you know. Uh, her name was Anitra Hathaway, and, um, and so, you know, I was like, man, she's kind of cute, and, you know, she's a Christian, and I'm a Christian. That means, like, it's got to happen, you know? And so I, I remember calling her up on the phone one day, and I was like, hey, Anitra, you know, as awkward as it can be for a 16-year-old kid to, you know, call, call a girl, and hey, how's it going? Uh, hey... And then eventually, so would you like to go out sometime, maybe, uh, for something? Uh, and, and, she, and she said, are you asking me on a date? And, I, and you know, like that, that really, you got to say yes at that point, right? Because you can't lie like, no, not really. No, no, that's exactly what I'm hoping for. Well, yes. And she goes, she goes, no. I mean, like, there wasn't like a maybe. It wasn't like... It wasn't like, Mike, you're a really nice guy, but, you know, I'm seeing somebody else. No, it was just like, no. You know, just silence on the other side. Uh, okay, uh, click. I remember, I remember that because afterwards I remember like this deep sense of rejection, right? I remember how I felt in that moment. I remember like tears falling from my eyes, you know, like I was just absolutely thrown down rejected, like, how am I ever going to talk to Anitra again, right? And I just wonder if sometimes we feel that way about a relationship with God. I wonder sometimes if we feel like we're just waiting for the other shoe to drop with God, right? Uh, like, like, yeah, we, we come to church and we raise our hands and we recognize uh, in our minds like how good God is and, and how wonderful it is to, to be able to serve Him. And, and, yet, and yet we're always kind of on, on the edge of our, our mind, on the edge of our heart emotionally. We're just waiting for God to like do something bad to us, right? Like, like I'm going to get the rejection letter in the mail. Uh, like God is going to hang up on me and I'm going to have to face the reality that God has just rejected me. Like, like God is going to take the wedding ring off and send it to me in the mail and say, we're now divorced. Has anybody had that? Like we have this fear, we have this anxiety uh, about maybe God tomorrow, uh, because of who I was yesterday, is just suddenly going to absolutely reject me and I'm going to have to face it. Uh, and we, none of us, do we? None of us like rejection. Heck, we don't like it when the credit card company rejects us much less in a relationship when we feel like someone else has rejected us. And so this morning, this morning, I just want to set us free. I want to set uh, some of you free in maybe a way that you've never been set free before to say, you know what, I can live free in a relationship with Christ, away from anxiety and worry, away from a feeling like I'm going to be rejected by God tomorrow because of something that I did today. I want you to just have the sense that, that God is with you. And, and, and when we, folks, when, when we as a people of God will come around this idea and say, you know what, God loves me. God loves me. He sent His Son to die for me. And when we will live freely in relationship with God, when we will live freely in a relationship with God, what we will find is that we get to bathe freely, away from anxiety, full to live in a relationship with God. 
I don't have to worry about guilt and shame. I don't have to worry about uh, condemnation. Uh, what I need to, to just worry about, all that I need to do is continue to focus on how I can live freely for God. And so I want to set us free this morning. And there is a, there, there's a guy, there's a friend of the church who, who, who consistently uh, wants to set us free from anxiety and worry uh, that God somehow is going to absolutely reject us. And, and he's going to uh, take us to the other side of the ledger and say, hey, hey, live freely for the Lord. And his name is Paul. And he writes a letter in Romans and what we're going to find there is that he, he, continue, uh, he continues just to say, hey, hey, for those of you who are in Christ, for those of you who are in Christ, for those of you who have the presence of God sprouting up from in your life, you will recognize a freedom uh, that nobody else has. And you can live free from the fear of of rejection. And in fact, you can live in the security and the assurance and the goodness of God and His character. And he's going to say that this all sprouts from the presence of the Spirit and the result of the presence of the Spirit, which is the fact that we get to be family with God. You see, the Spirit's presence in the life of the person, in the life of the Christian, means that we get to live freely in relationship with God without fear of rejection. Look with me in Romans chapter 8. We get to live freely in a relationship with God because of the Spirit's presence away from a fear of rejection, away from anxiety and worry. In Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, if you're using a Bible in front of you, it should be... Uh, around page 785 or so. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. Listen to the presence of the Spirit. You, you, talking to Christians, talking to people who have, have recognized God's power and His goodness. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. You're good because you have the Spirit, but if you don't, you're not in Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living... Now, now let's, let's pause for a moment. If the Spirit of the living God who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, Right, this is pretty big power, isn't it? This is a pretty big deal. Uh, how many of you have seen someone resurrect from the dead before? At least not physically. And he says this about the presence of the Spirit. He says, if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. Hey, th there is an awesome incredible life and you won't be the same if the spirit of god is living in you here's the reality when we become christians god does this amazing thing and he gives us his spirit right i mean in the church we talk about god the father god the son and god the holy spirit and when jesus left 
when he left the earth and he went back to heaven and there he is sitting uh, uh, with God right now listening to this sermon and all the other sermons going on on Sunday morning, right? There he is and he said, hey, to his disciples, I'm not going to leave you orphaned. I'm not going to leave you on your own. I'm going I'm to bring someone to you uh, that is me. And I'm going to place it inside of you. And that's what Paul is talking about here. He's saying, hey, those of you who are Christians, you have the Holy Spirit. Now, I know that some of you are asking, like, well, when does that exactly happen? When is the moment when I know that, like, you know, uh, I go from I wasn't, I uh, didn't have the Spirit, to now I have the Spirit? And, and here is the great big theological answer. Are you ready? We don't know. Because the text doesn't tell us. When exactly does it happen? I, I, I don't know. It's like going to a, a, to a wedding and, and trying to say, well, when exactly were they married? Were they married when they walked up to the stage? Were they married when they lit their unity candle? Were they married when they kissed one another? Were they married when someone signed the document? Were they married when they said, I do? Were they married uh, that night in the consummation? I don't know. When were they married? In the presence of the Holy Spirit, we know that at some point, there is a point sometime uh, when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon those who, who believe and confess and repent and are baptized. Uh, the, the text just simply doesn't tell us exactly when that moment is. All I can tell you is that when we become Christians, there's a Spirit of the, God, uh, of the living God that wasn't there before and is there now. And when the Spirit of God comes upon us, we're not, we're not going to be the same. The idea in the text is not only that we're not going to be the same, we're going to act differently, but that our intentions and our motivations, our will and our desire is going to change with it. <clears throat> I brought a glove with me. It's a leather glove. It's been used. This glove is a lot, uh, in some ways you might say, this glove is like our life, right? Some of us may still have an empty glove. We're trying really hard not to sin. We're, we're maybe doing all the right things, but we're still living. Last week, remember, we're still living on a ladder of the law. I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better. And, and we still struggle, and we can't quite get it, and we don't understand why. And he, here's the answer. You might do all the right things for all the wrong reasons. When we come to know Christ... Paul is saying the Holy Spirit gets to rest in our lives. And, and here's the picture. If this is your life before Christ, if this is your life without the Spirit of God, then when you get to become a Christian, this is what your life looks like with the Spirit of God living inside. And your desires change and, and your intentions change and, and things become alive, don't they? You see, the fact of the matter is, gang, we need to stop trying to figure out sin on our own. Mike can't conquer sin. But Christ inside of Mike can. And so the Spirit of God comes alive and our desires change and our intentions change and our will changes 
And God begins to move in a mighty way. And we might even find ourselves doing the same things that we were doing before, but our intention behind them has changed. And it's not about me anymore. It's about God. It's about His grace. It's about living further along the road than I was yesterday. I was so pleased. I was gone all week and I called Lydia on the phone. And I was talking to her and I said, hey, how's it going? How, how's, you know, all the stuff? And, 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 and Lydia, God bless her. She's this wonderful little girl and, and she's come to believe in Jesus and, and repent and confess and she's been baptized and, 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 and she just, she wants to serve God. And she said this and she said, Dad, I, I have, uh, I've been working on these devotions and see, this little kid, she's nine years old, uh, she'll write out these devotions, just stuff that she's finding in her everyday life, and she'll, and she'll relate God to him. And she's like, Dad, I got this new devotion to share with you. And so she shared it over the phone. It was fantastic. And then she used these words. She said, I don't know, Dad. I don't know what's going on. But for some reason, for some reason, I find myself, I just, I'm drawn more to the Word now than I was before. I'm drawn to try and do this more than I was before. And, and I'm going, I know what that is. And I told her right there on the phone, Lydia, that's the Holy Spirit. You see, our lives change when we, we have the presence of the Holy Spirit from something empty, from trying to do stuff on our own. Uh, and then when the Holy Spirit fills our life, man, there, there's something that changes there's something that changes. And when the Spirit of God is in us, we find that our desires are, are beginning to change. Go ahead, look at verse 5 in this text. Those who live according to the flesh, the sinful nature, have their minds set on the flesh and the desires of the flesh. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. You see, our desires, the very core of our being begins to change. The mind of the sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law, nor can it do so. But those, those, controlled, by the excuse me, those controlled by the flesh cannot please God. But man, when you are, when you have the Spirit of God living in you, you have an opportunity fully to live for Him. And you can live freely outside of Worry and anxiety that God's going to reject you because the Spirit of God lives inside of you. It also means that when we have the Spirit, the result is that we get to live in God's family. That we're members of His household. That we get to sit around His table. Look at the table that we get to, to sit around. Look at verse 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature, it's not to the flesh, to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you'll die. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body. You will live, because those who are led by the Spirit... This is so good. Isn't the Bible good? He says, those who are are led by the Spirit of God. Those who have God's presence living in their glove are sons of God. For you didn't receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. 
And the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if we're children, then we're heirs. And we're heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. Man, an heir with Christ? Hey, you know where Jesus is right now? He's with God in heaven sitting at the right hand. We get to be co-heirs with that kind of inheritance. You see, our citizenship was never here. It was always in heaven. And so if you have the Spirit of God living inside of you, you get to sit at that grand, glorious table with God in heaven. And that is good news. Now, I have a three-year-old son. He's three and a half. And he's part of our family. But he messes up all the time. In fact, yesterday, uh, we're sitting around, you know, uh, I was gone all week, so we're kind of playing, and, and uh, yesterday evening, he was doing some things, and, and he uh, yelled up to, to Joe Lynn, uh, my bride, and he said, he said uh, uh, Mommy, can I have some grapes? Yeah, sure, no, no problem. So, so Simon, like, I don't know what possessed him to do this, but he just decided that he was going to get grapes on his own, you know, like... I'm going to do this on my own. So he opened, up, he opened up the refrigerator on his own and he started digging for grapes and just like tearing, like, you know, like we had this big vine of grapes, you know, in the bag. You know, like the big grapes in the bag. Okay. You know, they're not like plucked off the thing, whatever you call that thing, the vine. And, uh, and so he just starts ripping and tearing. I'm like, bud, what are you? And then he tries to shut it with the, you know, the, the vegetable drawer, the fruit drawer still open, right? And it's not going. And I hear this clang, clang. And I'm like, oh, whoa, what's going on? What are you doing? And so, you know, Joel and I uh, decided late last night, we tucked him in. And, you know, we're very disappointed in his performance. So... So we, we decided that uh, today after church, we're going to sit him down and say, you know, son, you've been with us for three and a half years. Uh, we're not seeing the kind of production that we'd hoped for. Uh, we're going to have to let you go. I'm sorry. It's, is that what we're going to do? Of course not. Of course that's not what we're going to do. And some of you who are young in your faith, you think like God is like ready with a lightning bolt in His hand just to, uh, to strike you dead at every turn. And let me just tell you, no. No. For those of the Spirit of God living inside of you, you get to sit around God's table. And if I, as a, as a sinful, earthly father, can embrace my child who messes up regularly, just imagine... What God can do with you? You see, for those that would desire to condemn you and to put you in your guilt over and over again, who, for those that would desire to just uh, put the shame of your sin in front of you daily, God says, over my dead body. Over my dead body. And he proves it throughout this entire section of Scripture. He says, I'm trying to prove to you that you get to be a part of my family. You have the Spirit of God living inside of you and I desperately want you to know that you're part of me. Are you ready for this? This is what he does. It's really pretty amazing. 
It's pretty amazing. In chapter 6, in chapter 6, this beautiful picture of baptism that, that Paul gives, and he says something's changing, something's going on. God's changing us from something old to something new. And he says in chapter 6 that, that he's, he's destroying sin. He said, I am going to put sin to death. I'm going to take this ugly thing and it's going to die. And he sticks it. Please work. It was working earlier, I promise. Uh-oh. I promise it was working. I heard the... Uh, You know, this illustration doesn't work near as good when, uh... okay, so he took it, <laughs> and he killed sin on our behalf. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Oh, man, you know, it's just like God to make me really, mis you know, make this crazy mistake on stage during this message, like, ah. He takes sin in chapter 6, and he says, I am killing it. And then last week, we looked at it, right? He takes the law. He takes the law that sometimes we want to try and live by, and he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crucify that. It's going to work. It's all for you, Josh. All for you. <laughs> he takes sin and he kills it. And he takes the law and he, and he decimates it. He says, no more. And then in chapter 8, Says so the enemy of all enemies, I'm going to absolutely destroy this. You need to know you're part of my family. And, and I have put my body, my son's body on the line, crucified and resurrected. And he takes death. He takes death. And he runs it through the shredder. You're part of God's family. You have the Spirit of God living inside of you. Notice what he says. It's this beautiful thing, right? Verse 1 of chapter 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. Everybody say, no condemnation. Oh, that sounds like really exciting. <laughs> like I have been set free. There is no condemnation. Say, no condemnation. no condemnation. Yes. Look at your neighbor and say, no condemnation. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ because the Spirit lives in you, the law of the Spirit of life, has set me free from the law of sin and death. No longer. It's gone. It's over. You're part of the family of God. And you can live 
You can live, ladies and gentlemen. You can live, brothers and sisters. You can live freely outside of the fear of rejection that God somehow is going to let the other foot drop on you. Notice the assurance and, 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 and the security. Uh, notice the, the presence and the power and the provision of God. You know what? Life happens when we're family, doesn't it? Life happens. Notice, notice how life happens in this text. He says, suffering. Oh, I consider verse 18 that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that are going to be revealed. In the first century, the, the Christians there are, are wondering if they're going to see tomorrow because they're Christian. And you might be facing some external struggle. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's in your home. Uh, maybe it's a, the, a variety of relationships in your life. And he says, you know, those sufferings, they're, they're not going to matter. You don't have to worry that that's somehow going to like drive a wedge between you and God. Go down. Look at verse 28. Great verse. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him. Now, notice that God doesn't make all things good. Some things are quite bad. But what He's saying is Jesus can take bad things and redeem them. If God can take a cross, a cruel, crucifying device, a great device of death and destruction, if He can take that and make it good, then He can take what you experience in your life externally and internally, and He can make it something good. He can redeem it. And you can live in that. And you can live far away from fear and rejection and anxiety and worry. Look at verse 31. What are we going to say then in response? If God's for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how, how will He not also along with Him graciously give us all things? You see, God, God's on our side. He wants, he wants to be a great parent in heaven who gives you what is good. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen you already know the answer. No one. It's God who justifies. Who is He that condemns? Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. You see, He's not waiting for the other shoe to drop. He's there pleading with the Father on our behalf. Because He gave us the Spirit. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No. Verse 37 answers, No, in all these things we're more than conquerors through Him who loves us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers neither the height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a disciple of Jesus, if you have come to have the Spirit of God rest in your life, then you can live in the confidence of the goodness of God. And you can leave rejection and anxiety on the curb. 
Because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Let's pray. Gracious God, I thank you for your goodness. Uh, You've opened up your word to us and you've set us free. And we want to live fully and faithfully and freely in a relationship with you. God, help us to live out what it means to be conquerors. That we will love you and honor you and cherish you. Thanks for making us a part of your family. Thanks for setting the spirit of God inside of us. We love you. Help us to serve you well. In Jesus' name.